Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and I'm your host for today's episode. Welcome to part three of Miracles, Signs, and Wonders, as we look at the wonders of his love. But before we get into the episode, I just got to say it. We did it. Thank you so much, everyone, who donated this year for our matching campaign. We have officially reached our goal. If you're still hoping to donate to Apologetics Canada, you can do so. Just make sure that it is done before December 31st so that you can receive your tax-deductible receipt. But from all of us at AC, thank you so much for donating to Apologetics Canada as we continue to love God and love people. Just a quick reminder before we get to the podcast, please head to ApologeticsCanada.com and head to our events page just to keep up with everything we got coming up, like the AC Conference. You can head there right now to get all the information you need. Now for the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy. I'm here today with Andy and Steve. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing great. Living the dream, Troy. Living the dream. What is the dream, Andy? What is the dream? Good question, Troy. Glad you asked. (laughs) 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 One foot in front of the other. There Um, we go. Yeah. This is this Christmas season is crazy, isn't it? It's so busy. It's hectic. It's hectic. (laughs) It's a wild ride, but I'm I'm alive. I'm in it to win it. Yes, yes. Steve, how is it in the frigid wasteland that is Alberta? (laughs) Yeah, actually, uh, things have been going well for us. yeah, the weather can be harsh, but it's one of those moments where you remember, you know, yeah, the weather's harsh, but I have people here. I have family here. So that's what that's what gets my feet moving, you know, one foot after another. Yeah. Which, by the way, we should probably mention quickly to all our British Columbian friends that cold weather is coming our way. I don't know if you guys yeah. have looked at the weather report next week, but yeah. it's nasty. And, uh, and I'm going <laughs> snow camping. Oh, is this, yeah. is this a continued decision? <laughs> yeah, it is, because uh, last year the cold weather snapped right when I was going to do a snow camping trip with my boys, and I let it stop me. But not this year. Not this year. <laughs> yes. I'm going, I'm I'm going Andy, no matter what. Effect. Bring on the negative 30. I don't care. Ooh. Well, I, I, will strap, this- I will strap, I will tape hot packs to my body if I have to. <laughs> we'll make it. Well, congratulations, listeners. This might be the last time you get to hear Andy. So make sure you just rewind this podcast. Um, I actually just got back from Winnipeg. And as some I want to ask heard, about that. How did your first man, we- merit wedding go? It was amazing. It was so much fun. Um, I was super, super honored to do it. And the, we had brought the wonderful BC weather over there because when we first got there, it was minus 40. And as I said, the moment the air hit our children, they were just crying and it was just i was started coughing uncontrollably local people just started laughing at us like we were from california or something wild and i was like no just the west coast but anyways the (laughs) wedding was beautiful um beautiful couple it was amazing i didn't screw it up i fulfilled all of my yeah all of my requirements and signed the documents got it to the right people and i had yeah it was such a it was such a great time so Funny. I told I told Troy some horror stories of officiants who were just about ready to end the ceremony, and I was at one where the mom stood up. One of the moms stood up and said, "You haven't done the rings," and uh, oh and gosh. this guy just felt like you know so terrible. He, but at any rate, they they got it figured out. But it's interesting. It's stressful, isn't it, Troy? Oh, officiating man. a wedding. Well, especially because I wanted to fulfill also the traditional components that they were asking for, and not butcher the order of those things. So 
if we have any Filipino listeners, it was, we were doing a portion of the ceremony that was called the arras, which is, there's like coins, which represent a dowry. There's a veil that represents them walking through life together, covered by God. And then the last thing I put on is a cord, which has represents, you know, people being married for a lifetime. And uh, so, and organizing the, the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, making sure they moved where they were supposed to, not having awkward moments. Rehearsal was just like, run it again, run it again, run it again. And it, it went really, really well. And the families were really blessed and were very appreciative. So I, um, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it. It was great. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Well done. Mm -hmm. Well done. Travel's not over though. We're going to be heading back to Saskatchewan soon. Or you weren't, were right. you, in, you were in Manitoba, but we're heading back to uh, the prairie soon. Saskatchewan that's, coming up. That's right. The AC conference is back. Um, you've heard us talking about it for a while and you've also seen it on our socials. If you've been paying attention, we're calling it branded rethinking identity and we're actually holding two conferences, but the one in Saskatchewan will be held February 10th to the 11th. We're partnering with Briarcrest College and Seminary for the location, and it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We really enjoyed doing a mini version of the conference, I guess, last year with Briarcrest, and so we're doing it again on a little bit bigger of a scale. So we hope to see you guys there. You can head to conference.apologeticscanada.com and there will, you'll also see information for the BC Conference, which, which will be held at Northview Community Church, March 3rd to the 4th in Abbotsford, BC. So make sure you head there now to get early bird tickets, which are currently live. Yeah, and just to encourage you, uh, I think we're selling tickets faster than we've ever sold, particularly for the yeah. British Columbia Com Conference. So don't wait. Grab your tickets. We're looking yeah, forward to it. It's going to be going to be a great time. We also have some other stuff coming up. We'll tell you about later once we get everything totally nailed down. But we got some pre-conference events that are coming up. Mm -hmm. Exciting stuff, though, man. Looking forward to it. Also, just a big shout out to all of you supporters. We are so thankful for your your prayers and financial support that allow us to do the ministry that we're doing and to bless people across Canada, uh, as you just heard, like such as the conferences, amongst many other things that we do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we uh, have a $100,000 matching campaign that we're currently in. And I'm excited to tell you, drum roll, please. You can. <laughs> we are currently at 89%, almost there, 11% more Woo! to go. Yes. That's amazing. For those of you students, that's like, a, that's like an A, isn't it? On a paper, 89%. <laughs> gotta be, gotta be. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's doing final exams right now. Come on. Uh, yeah, so thank you for helping us get to this place. And those of you that are, are willing or able, if you could help us reach all the way to 100%, we'd be greatly appreciative. Little, one more thing that I want to say is actually I got my copy of the newest children's book from uh, the Human Project for Kids, uh, which is another avenue that AC is, is going down. And it's amazing. Um, the new book is called What's the Best Way to Live? And it's a story of Sunny and her Howmany, which is grandmother in Korean. Yeah. Did I, did I get that right, Steve? Yes. Correct. Yes. This Korean approves. All right. <laughs> and which I should probably mention was uh, dedicated to Steve Kim. Oh, I love you, well, Steve. Thank you. Steve doesn't even know that. All right. Check the dedication. Steve. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Maybe you should read the book, Steve. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but I read it last night uh, to our kids and they absolutely loved it. The illustrations are incredible. I, um, the illustrator did, she did an amazing, amazing job. And the writing is, is fun. Like Araya was laughing, Z was laughing. And then this morning they woke up and they wanted to read the book again. So we read it again. 
So great job to Andy and Rachel McKenzie for writing that one. And our illustrator, Maggie, you did a fantastic job. Uh, The book looks great. So make sure you guys head to kids.apologeticscanada.com. You can order the book on our website. One of the things I love about that book, particularly Troy, is it's it's fun how it shares the gospel. Yes. And so if you're yes. if you're looking for a book that's just a fun way for you to share the gospel, uh, that that is it. Uh, speaking about sharing the gospel uh, today, we are continuing in our series, miracles, signs, and wonders. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've been I've been loving this series. I've been looking forward uh, to you know finishing this thing off as we talk about. Jesus. I love the series because I don't know about you guys, every year is, uh, you know, as we come to Christmas, it's a time to reflect. Now, as a pastor, you're kind of in speakers, we're kind of forced to reflect, right? Because we're often invited to speak at different events that that are Christmas themed. And and, and so that gets you thinking. But also, as a parent, uh, just Mm. thinking through every year, we read through the Christmas story with our kids. And and I just share with our our kids a, a reflection at Christmas time. You know, because it's a great, it's, you got a captive audience, right? You got all these gifts yep. and you're like, hey, listen, we want to get, get to the gifts, but yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about Jesus. Uh, but it, it, it's an important time, I think, as an parent and just as a follower of Christ to just reflect on, um, you know, yes, the miracles and the signs, but particularly, I think this, this wonders of his love mm-hmm. uh, that we're going to talk about today is such an important theme uh, for us to know, but also to point our, our children to, friends and family to. As you're talking about that, it, it reminds me of how every year, everything changes around me, right? And I'm sure it's, it's the same for you guys, too, where just you walk out, you know, at night, for example, there are lights on, like, things change around us um, when Christmas rolls around. And that's almost like a trigger for me to start thinking about God's love that he showed during this season. Mm-hmm. But the more I think about it, the more, you know, because c- your mind naturally goes to the birth of Jesus and the kind of situation that he was in and things like that. And, you know, the songs, the silent night, holy night, those kinds of things. But over the last couple of years, I've been really thinking about what what did it mean for God to actually break into human history like that? Because it wasn't just, you know, God being born as a baby, but he is being born into a particular context, right? Like, so I've I've been saying lately that actually one way in which God showed his love for us is actually by declaring war on the wickedness and evil of this world. And the way he did it was by being born as a baby. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, Steve. Our, our, our church for the last couple of years, we would hold our Christmas service and we called it the, the interruption. And just this idea that Jesus his birth and his life was a complete interruption with the way that the world was and the way things were, things were going. Like he truly had to interrupt the trajectory of our lives and save us from ourselves, you know? And just that, that idea that he would just place himself in the middle of, of our troubles and our turmoil and our sin nature as a baby. You even look at the way, you know, the way the scripture paints the picture of that time he shows up and Herod all of a sudden has to completely turn all his attention to this baby, you know? And I just, I just love that imagery of God coming and interrupting um, our lives. That's a, I never really thought of it that way, Troy, but 
come to think of it, there are a lot of interruptions, isn't there? Like even with Gabriel coming to Mary, well, there's an interruption in this yeah. girl's life all of a sudden. Yeah. And there's the shepherds who were just tending their flock in the middle of the night. There's this like host of angels show up. There's an interruption. You're right. Yeah. There's a lot of interruption. Now, of course, Herod's trying to kill Jesus. Yeah. So it's kind of, <laughs> but it's interesting, I mean, right? Your life can be interrupted in, yeah, what are you, you going to do uh, there? Are you going to come and worship or are you going to try to destroy? Right. The theme that I ha- have been reflecting on uh, at, at Christmas, and maybe we'll see how all of these are, are woven together. And this is kind of the beauty uh, of Christmas is that it's just such a deep well to keep drawing from. Uh, and as we've talked about before, I love how in Colossians chapter two, the Apostle Paul says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I think at Christmas time is one of those moments that we reflect on the truth of that, that there, yes, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. The the thing that I was telling, I was telling Troy and Steve, because we were before the podcast, we were like, hey, you know, what, what are we thinking about, you know, direction? Sometimes we just like to have a bit of a heads up of where people are going on. I told these guys, hey, guys, I've been thinking about slavery. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a silence. I wish you guys could have seen the looks (laughs) in your faces. They're like, "Mm." and then Steve and Joe are like, can you just tease that out a little more? Like, where are we we going here? Uh, I did a speaking engagement actually recently that uh, we called uh, How... Uh, what was it called? How can a child heal a broken world? I think it was with Greg oh, Harris. Um, can a baby? Yeah, can a baby heal a broken world? Yeah, yeah. So I was out there with Greg and Sarah out at uh, uh, Southridge uh, Fellowship Church, and mm. and one of the things that that I was talking on out there, and one of the things that that I have been reflecting on is, and this is something that. So when we were at ETS, Troy and I were in a session uh, on slavery that really got me. Uh, thinking in this direction, because one of the things that they were uh, that, that these scholars were bringing up is that in the past, slavery was just a part of the cultural backdrop of society throughout written history. I know we often just kind of reduce slavery to the transatlantic slave trade, but slavery has been a part of us from the beginning of yeah. human history. Like, it's kind of like when Benjamin Franklin, you know, you know, quips that the one consistent, you know, in life is death and taxes. And people right. would have added slavery to that, right? Death, taxes, and slavery is, you know, the the constant throughout yeah. history. And and the thing is though, is that's interesting is historians, one of the things they talk about is that perhaps one of the reasons why there's only these moments in history that people speak you know spoke out against slavery and you would think as you study history you'd think you would come across it more but you don't and one of the one of the reasons why uh, they've kind of reflected on this is is because perhaps people just couldn't imagine a world without it that slavery mm-hmm. was just so ingrained so interwoven i mean you even have people like saint patrick who was kidnapped right and just sold into the slave trade. But then he goes on, and he doesn't even speak out against it. And it's like kind of mind boggling. Cause you're like, yeah. you'd think that he would speak out against it, but it's almost like that, that it's just so deeply woven into the fabric of society that you just couldn't imagine life without it. And one of the hard parts for Christians with regards to this 
is to come to terms with theologians you might really respect, such as Jonathan Edwards, who owned slaves and even gave an argument for slavery because he couldn't imagine an economy working without it. I was just going to say that. I read an interesting article by John Piper because uh, Jonathan Edwards is John Piper's hero. And it's it's an interesting paper where he just has to come to terms with, you know, that his hero didn't speak out against this issue as he would have thought he would have or wanted him to do. And as he comes to terms with the fact that he just couldn't imagine a world without slavery. Yeah. And and it was just like you said, I mean, it's, it's so like the foundation of, you know, say something like, like many of these countries, many of these superpowers, the foundation of them was was slavery, right? Like Egypt was built by slaves, you know, the United States, their economy thrived off of slavery in some way, shape or form. And, and let's, let's keep it a whole being Canada too. Like our railway that we cherish and love was built off the hands of slaves, Asian slaves during, even during the war. I can't remember what it was. Uh, well, what it nobody's, was called. But, yeah, yeah. nobody's clean in this, man. No, if you look at no. history, everybody's got their hand dirty in slavery. Everybody. Yes. Yeah, it, it's interesting because here, when I hear about slavery, it's often, right, like the transatlantic slavery, or I might even hear like, you know, um, Ar- Arabs in the past or Europeans or Africans or whatever. But then I'm just like, yeah, but in Asia too. Like, how do you think, right, all of these big structures were built in China, for example? And in, exactly. it, it wasn't until recently, relatively, relatively recently in Korea, that slavery was abolished. Like in, I, I don't know the exact time frame, but it would have been like around the turn of the century, like in the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, somewhere around there, so relatively recently. Because up until then it was very common for there to be a master and somebody who's living as a servant, um, but like indentured servant or something like that. And I Koreans are very familiar with those that that kind of language. But then the world has changed a whole lot in the last couple hundred years with respect to slavery. Mm-hmm. It, it has in it's terms changed. of our attitude. Well, and it's just changed so much that it's hard for us to really understand the past. Yeah. Because when, when we bring this up, uh, the reason I, I'm bringing it up is you have to understand it's that idea of the constant death, taxes, and slavery sort of idea yeah. that is just interwoven into the fabric. Now, this is where the Christmas, Christmas story is so interesting because, listen, there's lots we could talk about at sla- about slavery, and, and we could, we could, this whole thing could be about slavery, and that's not what this is meant to be. <laughs> Th- this is meant to just remind us that that has been a cultural backdrop from the beginning, and that there is this cult, there's this outlier, though. There's this nation of Israel who can imagine a world without slavery, mm. because God, at least within themselves, right? And why? Because they saw slavery defeated once before, yeah. right? Yeah. They saw that God rose, you know, used this character, this, this anointed leader, Moses, right? To lead them out of slavery to Egypt. And they were freed. 
Now, of course, this is full of all sorts of problems, right? As they actually run into to all sorts of issues, particularly issues of sin and evil, and they begin to realize that they are a part of a much bigger slave master, and that every one of us has been born into slavery. And it goes back to that death and taxes, right? That one constant from the very beginning, that that slave master of death, that, yeah. to, uh, it, to, um, that, that we are all in slavery to sin and evil. And it's interesting because, again, again, you have this nation that's like, man, God's defeated slavery. We know we can do that. But then you also see this nation wrestling with the idea that they're in, and in fact, that's what the name Israel means, one who wrestles with God. They're wrestling mm-hmm. with the idea that they're in slavery to something so much more. They're in slavery to sin and death. And this is what Matthew picks up on as he starts the nativity scene, right? He starts off by telling you that this Jesus, in fact, he calls him the Messiah after he gives this lineage, right? That he comes from the line of Abraham and David, that he is the rightful king of this nation. And that as God has freed them in the past before, he's going to free them again through this anointed king. But then in Matthew 1, 21, he says that this Jesus, his name is, right? That this angel is telling, you know, Mary, his name will be Jesus, God saves. And and why? Because he will save them from their sins. And it's, it's bringing back into focus this idea of slavery that God is going to defeat, but it's bigger. It's more wonderful than you could imagine the, what God's going to do. His love for you, the wonder of his love is going to be expressed so much greater. He's going to defeat the greatest slave master of all evil yeah i I love this because i I immediately my mind the moment you had referenced slavery in the context of christmas i was just like you were saying steve and i were like what what are you but then immediately my (laughs) mind just started spinning and i started thinking about old holy night and how one of the last stanzas of the song it says truly he taught us to love one another his law is love and his gospel is peace Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy and grateful chorus raise we, let all within us praise his holy name. And that that portion of the song is is actually like pulled from Philemon, which was a letter from Paul in reference to slavery. In Philemon 116, where it says, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you? both in the flesh and in the Lord. And, you know, people can have all their opinions on Paul as to whether or not he was pro or against slavery or whatever. It's besides the point. Paul was speaking to this greater level of freedom that only comes through Christ. And it's funny how we sing these songs year after year, and sometimes we don't really stop and really look at the lyrics. Now, as someone who, I'm a, like, I'm a lover of music in the sense that Words are so powerful and I get imagery immediately. Like this is a worship song that has just been treated as a mere carol. Yeah. I I love that song, Oh Holy Night. And that song always brings me back to that time in the Gospels where Jesus goes into the synagogue and reads that scroll handed to him, right? And um, I'm reading from Luke 4, but it says here, Uh, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the year of the Lord's favor, we all know, is the Jubilee, right? The 50th year that you find in Leviticus 25.10, right? And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines, for it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field. So that that's the picture where this was the time when if you had any debt to anybody, if you had lost your land because you were in poverty and you had to sell it to somebody else, it, it everything was sort of reset. Everything went to its rightful owner because it was really important for Israel that the land stayed with whatever tribe or clan or those kinds of things, right? And so here's like, if you had debt, and this is something that the Israelites, the Jewish people uh, in the time of Jesus would have been kind of very familiar with as they lived under the Roman occupation, if you will. Does that make sense? You know, Steve, that's such a beautiful, uh, you know, depiction of the gospel that everything will be reset. Your debts will be forgiven yeah. and you'll start, start anew. And what I love, and you haven't gotten to yet here, is Jesus reads that and then says what? No, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. The, the year of the Lord's favor is here. Man, I'm telling you what, that is the mic drop of all mic drops. Yeah. The it, Lord had waited a long time to drop that mic. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, watch this. Watch, watch this. <laughs> this oh, has man. been fulfilled in your hearing. Man, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because when you give context to these passages and to, to Christmas and sometimes things that we kind of gloss over, you start to realize that there's just such a rich wonder of God's love that yeah. is there. And, and I want to share one more uh, for you. It's Isaiah chapter 9. This is a passage that often gets read uh, at Christmas time, um, particularly uh, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about this passage is the context, again, is slavery. And if you go back, and I just want to read this once more for you all the way through, because it, you know this preaches for itself. I, you don't even need to add anything to this. But as I'm reading it, though, I do want you just to think about, I don't know, we often read Matthew and Luke when we're thinking of the nativity scene. But I want you to be thinking about John, because I think as John is opening up his gospel, he has Isaiah chapter 9 in mind as he talks about Jesus being the light of the world. Notice this as we start in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Mm. You have enlarged the nations and increased the joy and they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke of slavery that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boots used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. 
For to us, a child is born. To us, a government is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Mm, 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 mm. Like, if that's not Mama's casserole in the passage of Scripture, like, man, like, I, I joke about it, but I'm just like, it just, it's, this is why, this is why I'm, I'm glad I go to a church that's got some shout music, because moments like that, I'm just like, ah! It just gets Troy's ready to lead some worship now. I'm ready. Let's go. Like, that, that, that in and of itself, I mean, Especially reading something like that at this time of the year, you know, where there's mm-hmm. seasonal seasonal depression is a real thing. It's a it's a dark time. It's cold. It's you know you you really think about it. This time of the year is where a lot of people start you know are, are in debt. It's a lot of times where people are looking at the end of the year and man, I didn't really accomplish the things I wanted to. There's a lot of like introspection going on at this time of the year, and it's just amazing how like the Lord is just like strategically placed himself at the time of the year that we have chosen to celebrate, right? He's like, ah, I'm just going to interject myself in this moment in time for you. Because like, if you read something like that and that doesn't like really awaken you and excite you, man, I don't know. There, there is no gifts that you're going to receive. There is no level of caroling. There's no Christmas aesthetic that is going to excite you more than the life and birth of Jesus. Like that is intense on so many levels. And I hope it's not lost on people when it's talking about uh, the warrior's boots and the garments rolled in blood are destined for burning. It's saying the Prince of Peace is coming, man. War's war's over. Slavery's over. You know, this, this is the true wonders of his love that the one constant death has been defeated. And, and here's my point in bringing this up. See, because we like to point back in history and say, man, I can't believe they couldn't imagine a world without slavery. Mm. You know, if they could only see what we see, right? Mm. But Jesus came and he goes, listen, I know it's hard to imagine, but there's a day coming when death yeah. and evil are defeated and you are free from death. You are free from evil. And I think, honestly, if we're real with ourselves, man, when we come to Christmas, we struggle to really believe it. Yeah. It's hard to us. It's hard for us. Don't you agree? It's hard for us to imagine a world without evil and death. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of death, Andy, one thing that I'm thinking of, anytime I hear about death and the fact that Jesus, you know, on the cross and through his resurrection defeated death, Maybe this is where my mind is because I've been grading some papers for our students lately, and they've been talking about death and resurrection, those kinds of things. And one of the things that came up over and over again in my comments is, listen, Jesus didn't just escape death, right? He reversed it. He he didn't just, because if you escape mm-hmm. death, death can come back at you at some point. But what does death have left to do? Right. Such as Lazarus. Exactly, yeah. such as Lazarus. But what does death have on you when it's been reversed now, right? Oh, death, where is your sting? Yeah, exactly, right? First Corinthians 15, mm. 55, it's like, yeah, the, 
oh, death, where is your sting? And if I remember from um, our past conferences or whatever, it was told to me that um, at one of the conferences that actually it's, you know, Paul is not being poetic and cute. He's actually trash talking death. You ain't got yeah. nothing on me. You lost. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you know, we talk about free living in freedom that Jesus has won for us. And one of those freedoms is freedom from death, right? Because death has to be reversed. Even if we die, death can't keep us down. We're going to rise with the Lord again. Yeah. And I sometimes ask, you know, people, hey, listen, like if you were to wake up tomorrow morning and realize that you had the superpower all along, that you would never die, how would that change your life, right? And I sometimes think about that. What does it look like for me to not be afraid of death? Because almost everything that I do in one way or another, Clay Jones would say, right, one of our teachers, is driven by our fear of death. But Jesus has defeated that. And what does that look like? Here's the funny part. And I'll just uh, say say this one thing and pass it over to you guys. I know I'm droning on just a little bit, but there is this um, play that was written in the early 1900s called Lazarus Laughed. And here it tells the story of Lazarus, like the guy who Jesus raised from the dead, right? Now, this this guy has this thing. He always laughs. And the more he laughs, he gets younger and younger kind of thing. Now, it comes to the point where he comes across Tiberius and Caligula, two of the most powerful men in the Roman Empire. One is an emperor. The next one is going to be an emperor, right? And Lazarus just keeps laughing. He's not afraid of them. And they can't put any fear in him. Because he's not afraid of death. They're going to be like, do you have any idea who we are? And Lazarus is laughing, right? It's like, no, we can like torture you. And he's laughing even harder. Like, do you not realize we can actually put you to death? And he's rolling on the floor laughing, right? And then Lazarus says to them, guys, don't you realize death is dead? And so he has the freedom. Even the most powerful men in the Roman Empire could not exercise their power over this common man because he's been set free from death. Steve, that, that's a, that is a, a great segue of where I, I think all of this leads to is that, you know, in the same way that the Jews had this idea and hope that slavery could be defeated, they had that hope. Why? Because they had seen it done before. They saw that God can and did free them, right? And we live in, the, in, in, in a similar way, right? As we reflect on the wonders of his love, we live in the midst of knowing that death can be defeated because he did it, right? We, we have that hope. We have that knowledge because, you know, he, he's, he's done it in Jesus. Like you were saying, Steve, like when they saw Jesus, they saw walking, talking, eternal life. They knew that evil had been defeated. They knew that, that Jesus was victorious over death. And it, and it was in that that they lived in the hope, the wonders of his love, knowing that they are free. They're free from evil and they're free from death. And that this changes the way that you and I live our lives in Christ. And as we reflect on Christmas, it's like it's a reflection of freedom that we have in him, knowing that I don't have to live in this idea that that this is it, you know, get what you can while you can. But yet that we're a part of such a bigger story that we've been adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom and that we have, as Isaiah said there, we have a king that's going to rule and does rule with justice and righteousness from this time on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord did accomplish it, right? 
did accomplish this in Jesus. And there is a day coming when all will be made new. Listeners, I just want to leave you with um, just Colossians 3.16 as we are just days before Christmas, the time that you're receiving this recording. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This Christmas season, we pray that you will have time to reflect with your, your loved ones and your family on the miracle signs and wonders of Christ's love, the, the wonders of his life and his death and his resurrection. And know that you can experience the fullness of his love day to day as we continue to walk with him in this dramatic unfolding that, that we call life, knowing that death has been conquered, that death as we know it is not the end, but it is just a step towards the glory that is a life with Jesus eternally. So from all of us at Apologetics Canada, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, listeners, for listening to the AC Podcast. Thank you for joining us for such an incredible year. 53 episodes to close out the year. It's been an incredible time. We are so grateful to each and every one of you who tune in faithfully to the new listeners. Welcome. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, and we will see you in 2023. But until next time, as always, love God, love people. Bye for now. In Jesus, a present help and read as long as I